everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. I'm joined as ever by Josh. Hello, Josh. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Gray. How have you be doing? I am coughing up a storm, but that's okay. Um, uh, that's okay. I'm hurting like hell. Mm-hmm. You had for for those of for those of our listeners who follow your personal account on Twitter, they will know that you had a tattoo extravaganza on Thursday. Um. Which I believe has put you in some temporary discomfort. The extravaganza on Thursday has left me in... I don't know if I would say temporary, because it's going to be about a week and a half. I mean, I guess that is temporary, but it's like... Temporary consistent. So, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing off my sleeve and I'm at the portion of it where we're doing the uh, upper backside of my arm as well as my my shoulder and inside by my <laughs> armpit. So we've reached that portion of the sleeve where there frankly is no good space to tattoo without there being an immense amount of pain. So... You have it worse than I do today, so. Yeah, but pain is beauty, and once this suck, once this sucker is all done, it's gonna look something special, man. I'll tell you that much. There you like, go. Once it's all done, people are gonna be looking at that, going, "Damn, dude, that thing is a work of art." Mm-hmm. Well, for once in our lives, we have a pair of victories to discuss. Um. So, so we'll get right to it. Uh, we are discussing two games since we last spoke. We are discussing a 2-1 win over Leicester and a 3-1 win over West Brom. And I would like to start with the question, have you ever in your life seen someone have a penalty disallowed for kicking it twice? Um, I have no. not. I have not. Um, no, I've heard of it. I, I, I've, I've heard of it as, as I open up a Coca-Cola here. I promise it's not alcohol. I don't drink. Uh, now I've heard of it, you know, because of the double tap rule, and I've and I've and I I have seen it on corners. I've seen it actually several times on corner attempts where they accidentally like tap the ball and then they go and try and kick it, and the official is like, "No, you you tapped it. That was the kick." So I've seen that, but never quite the way that it went down against Leicester, like. You know all those breaks we've been talking about that other teams seem to get? Yes. That was a game where just for whatever reason, the football gods are like, you know what, City? Here, shut up. <laughs> if that doesn't just sum up Leicester's season, then I don't know what does. Yeah, basically. I mean, I mean many champions it, to that. And, and you know what the funny part is, is that even in this season, Leicester still went further than any English team in the Champions Cup. In the Isn't amazing? They, yeah, they, they gave Atletico Madrid everything they could handle. Yeah, they did. Not like a joke yeah. of a team. That's Atletico Madrid. <laughs> yeah, and the funny part about that is, is that both of their styles are basically set up to, like, play the same way. Like, in, in theory, both of them want the other person to have the ball. Because that's the way they work. They work better on the counter. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I, I got to admit, 
I was pleasantly surprised by how well they hung in there with uh, Atletico. I, I didn't I didn't quite think that they were going to have it in them to to. I thought it was going to be something like a three or a four goal sweep by Atletico, but Leicester. Lester proved that this is a team that can compete. Like, I think what this said to me, and, and we can sort of move on from the Leicester discussion, is that when you look around the Premier League and you talk about the money that's coming into the league, <clears throat> and you talk about the money that even lower-level teams have to give to players, you're going to end up with some outstanding quality. Like, just across all teams. I mean, I'm not saying Fernando Llorente is the greatest striker in the world, but when you can have him as a surplus in the Premier League, that's not a bad haul, you know? Um, and not that Leicester has him, but, but, but just using that as an example. I think I just think the money that the Premier League is pulling in <clears throat> is allowing even some of these smaller teams, these – these littler teams, they're breaking record transfer fees all the time, it seems like, even if it is only five or six million, you know, which is like nothing to, to, to a club like Manchester City. Um, but to them, it's 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 a lot of money and they're and they're willing to spend it because of the cash flow that's dropping in, man. Um, so I think the Premier League is only going to get better. T- teams are only going to get more talented and, and their squads are only going to get deeper. So uh, yeah, there, there's that old joke every time the Premier League inevitably goes out of the Champions League before everyone else just like Ooh, best league in the world. I don't know if it's the best league in the world, but it's definitely the deepest league in the world. And I think that's more of the point. So, um, yeah, I, I thought Leicester, the first half was good, the second half was terrible. How many times have we discussed this team in sort of a tale of two halves thing? Um, it, it, it's it, it's very strange how they sometimes, they'll have a terrible first half and then they'll play way better in the second half, or more often... They will have a really good first half and then play terrible in the second half. I don't know why. I don't think anyone knows why at this point. It's just sort of a fact of life that that I choose that I've just figure we're going to have to accept until next season. Um, nice to see Gabriel Jesus get back on the score sheet after being out for so long. And I mean, he had obviously contributed, but he he looked back to it. And you mentioned this. Yaya Torre stepping aside to let him take the penalty was surprising to me, and I don't know what spurred it, but... You know, I honestly think it was one of those things where I truly believe Yaya wants to stay where he's at. I think Yaya has an affinity for Manchester City. I think he realizes, he knows, he knows how good of a coach Pep Guardiola is. And he knows that if he were to make a move, even though he's a free agent, if he were to make a move, the chances uh, at this point, it would be ring chasing. You know what I'm saying? And nobody would blame him. He's at the point in his career with what all Toure has accomplished, both at the international level and at the club level. The only thing left for this man to do is to win trophies. So I begrudge nobody at this stage in their career when they go chasing rings. It happens a lot in America. So we're kind of used to it. You know, I mean, NBA is usually where it happens the most is when you see this guys like Carl Malone, Gary Payton, 
leaving their teams and joining up with the Lakers and Kobe Bryant and Shaq in the hopes of winning a title, things like that. So I think Yaya wants to stay where he's at. And in a way of endearing himself, not just to the club, but to show that he's a team player, is when you have a guy who's basically a lock as a penalty shooter. Yaya doesn't miss. And and his penalties are usually pretty authoritative. When they hit the back of the net, it stretches its tensile strength to, to, to the max. But Yaya also knows that Gabriel Jesus is the future of this squad in, in some way or another. And usually you have your top strikers taking penalties. And I think that this was a case of where Yaya is saying, okay, this is a game we're clearly, you know, out in front of. Um, take the penalty. You know, just just go ahead, see what you can do, kid. And, and Jesus, bear dispatched that penalty without any problems. And I think it just said a lot about Yaya Toure. I think it shows you where his mind's at. This isn't a guy who is placing himself above the club. Ever since he's come back in, he's made contribution after contribution after contribution. Finally was able to score at home. Um, all of his goals had come away. So Fantastic team goal, too, that one. Yeah, yes, it was. Um, so I, I think this is just a way of Yaya setting up what's likely going to be a year by year contract for him to, to remain at Manchester City. It's just, it may be stupid, maybe a dumb opinion, but I think that was just Yaya's way of saying, I'd still very much like to be here and, 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 and part of the team. And this is my way of showing that. Yeah, all the stories coming out this past week have been basically indicative of uh, he's going to get he's going to be offered another one year deal, and it sounds like he wants to stay. Nothing's done yet, obviously, as we record this, but it, it sounds very much like Yaya wants to stay, City want him to stay. When that is the case, these things usually inevitably get done. It's usually only a matter of time. So, you know, I've gone back and forth on whether this is a good idea or not all season long. Um, but at this point, as long as he's not, you know, week in, week out, the first choice that they're relying upon, I'm fine with this. He obviously still has something to offer at this level if you manage him properly, which they have been doing. So it's not something that I have any problem with. Um, and good for him, considering where we were in September, where it looked like he was never going to play for Manchester City again. Not no. Only, not only to play for them again, but to prove yourself as an integral part of the team again. It's Yeah, when the I.I. Came, came back in, City actually got a boost. Like, his presence back in that midfield... I think began to stabilize things. And I, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. I said, I thought Yaya might be dispatched as a center defensive midfielder. And that would be how Pep would have him at least playing in that role, whether or not he acted in that, you know, capacity 
uh, in, in, in a in a, a four one four one, Yaya was going to be the guy setting up in between the 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 center backs and the midfield, and you see him constantly throughout games coming back to to get to help the center backs out, help bring the ball out, and uh, I just kind of thought it made the most amount of sense because. Pep Guardiola, even though he'll dispatch center defensive midfielders, they're still attack-minded. The idea for Pep is to basically have two people back there at all times, three if you count the goalie, and everybody else just an all-out assault on the net. That's That would be a perfect world for Pep. And so having Yaya as that anchor has has given City a bit of stability, I think, and allowed De Bruyne and Jesus to do what they want. And I also happen to think that because Yaya's so good at it, that's why we've seen Fernandinho dispatched more frequently as a right back, because then it gives them another option in midfield. Yeah. It does, and we've spoken many times about the quote that if Guardiola could play with 11 midfielders, he would. So it's, it's it, they have had kind of a logjam because they've had to find ways to fit a lot of different people into the same 11 at the same time without, you know, sacrificing quality or formation or what have you. And so they've gotten a little bit creative, and I think that's, you're, you're right, that that's a, a side effect of that is that we've gotten... Fernandinho at right back and we've gotten, you know, Jesus Navas at right back in a sense as well. And we've gotten, you know, Torre playing deeper and guys like Silva playing deeper and closer to the center of the park. So, yeah. Um, they've, they've had to get a bit creative. On the topic of the West Brom game, I mean, we saw Aguero and Jesus play very well together. I think that the point at this point, it's not a question of whether they can play together. It's what what the other, you know, nine more eight outfield players really, what who are, what what do they consist of that will enable such a formation to work? Because you 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 have you Aguero and Jesus can play together, and Aguero was just phenomenal on on Tuesday. He really was. Or Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, whatever it was. It was Tuesday. Okay, I'm not crazy. But Aguero was phenomenal. That is, you know, Pep Guardiola will watch that every night before he goes to bed and have sweet dreams for the entire summer. Um, it, it's if they if they can get that out of him consistently, then you're you're damn sure he's staying. Um, and and but the thing is, you have to find a formation where you're not sacrificing quality and you're not leaving the other eight players. You're putting the other eight players in a position to succeed as well, which. It was Raheem Sterling who was sacrificed on Tuesday. But the announcers made an interesting set of comments on that, and I normally don't really give a crap about what they have to say, but there was some truth in what they said about the fact that as a right winger, Sterling doesn't quite yet have the finishing. Like, he's put away some goals and such, but but we've seen some of the quality from Sterling in the box, and it's not there yet. And... Guardiola wants the goal. Like it's not just incumbent upon his striker to produce. He wants the two wingers popping in, you know, 
12, 12 put, to put, 15. Put it this deep. way. There is a reason that despite all the quality that they have in attack, City are still being relentlessly linked to an Alexis Sanchez transfer. Yeah. Because that is a guy who can be put out on the wing and finish. And that's and that's ultimately what City are looking for. They they want people who are going to be able to finish, and that's Guardiola's mentioned it time in and time out at his press conferences. Like I can get them all the way. It's like he says, my job is to get you to the final third. Your job is to finish it. And City have not been doing that to this point. So, um, you know, we see them do it on occasion, but the regularity that you'd like to see. I think you feel a bit more comfortable when you see people like Gabriel Jesus out there. I mean, that game was going so well, Vincent Company tried a bicycle kick. Like, let's let's just put that into perspective. You know, um, City just enjoyed so much possession in that West Ham game and the way that they were able to keep the ball, even when they lost it. Uh, it was it was truly a a glimpse of what a Guardiola team could look like when it's firing on all cylinders. Impossible to dispossess, relentless in their pursuit of goals, nonstop uh, once they do score, and. In a perfect world, they wouldn't give up a stupid ass goal at the end like they did. Um, should have had a clean sheet. Uh, there's really no excuse for Kolarov to have fallen asleep. Um, well, he's Kolarov. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that was that was another game where City could have had a 3-0 clean sheet and placed more pressure on Arsenal. I mean, not that Arsenal are going to likely score seven goals uh, <laughs> this weekend, but, uh, I mean, stranger things have happened. Uh, maybe Petr Cech just doesn't play and, and Arsenal opts to go without a goalkeeper in, in the hopes of getting seven. Um, I, 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 I'm not being serious there. I know league rules require you to have a goalie. Um, but, but I think it left City in a, in, a, in a good position, and that's ultimately what we've been talking about, right? Like leading up to this, like – where are City going to be on the final day of the season? Yeah. And right now, they're in the best possible position they could be in. They're in a lock to finish third if they take care of business. Yep. And you would have to say that they are, you know, this is, it was pointed out that City have actually, even they had that stretch, they lost that game to Chelsea, but um, in, in the league itself, they have lost once since January, um, which is kind of incredible when you think it was the Chelsea game away. But that was that is the only time they've been beaten in the league since um, January 15th when they lost 4-0 to Everton. Um, obviously, there are too many draws in there, some draws against bad teams. That's not to say that they couldn't have done better during that period, but they have avoided losing. And if they avoid losing, then they will definitely finish fourth. And they stand a very good chance of finishing third. Obviously, Liverpool are only three behind on goal difference. And if they do beat Middlesbrough by three, that would take them to third because they will likely have more goals for. So a uh, draw is not, you know, safe by any means. But it will get them into the top four. 
and Arsenal are going to miss. Um, well, I think it would depend on if City pump in some goals. Too. Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between a nil-nil draw and a three-three draw, um, <laughs> for, for, for our purposes. But yeah, you're you're right about that. Uh, I I just I I feel like a draw would still leave a bit too much to chance as far as the third position goes. Yeah, I, I you, when you look at Watford, I think Pep Guardiola is going to go in for the yeah, kill. Yeah, and if Watford fully... have lost five straight in the league. They want, they're in terrible form. You would they've just their their manager is Mazzari already gone or is he just leaving at the end of the season? I wasn't entirely clear on that. Um, I I'm not. Too thoroughly, I think probably let's let's find out. <laughs> We're well informed. Um, yeah, he's leaving after the final match. Yeah, season, yeah, so this yeah, will be leaving after his last. And, and you have to wonder how that team's going to respond to that because it's not like they've been playing well at all. Um, if you look at their fixtures, they they gave Chelsea a game at Stamford Bridge, but Chelsea had also just won the league and were probably kind of doing a victory lap more than anything else in that game. They, they've, they've won. Their last win was at home over Swansea, but they've just been losing and losing. And they, 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 they're even at home. They lost to Liverpool. You know, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but this is a team that has not won a game in a month. So you'd like, and they're, and they're massively hampered by injuries and Troy Deeney isn't even playing like their talisman. Like it's just, it's a club that's in a state of disarray. It's a, it's a team that's limping to the finish line. More or less. Yeah. They, they literally safe. have nothing to play for. Yeah, they're already safe. They're just get this over with. They're not playing well. Their manager is about to be kicked out the door. And it's just, you know, let's let's end this, I would think, would be there. I mean, it's a 16th place team. And their home form is better, but still not great. Um, they're 8-4 and 6 at home, 6 defeats. They actually have a positive goal differential, but at the same time, you know, this is a top 14 that they're going to be playing, not just, you know, the bottom feeders of the league that they have probably been beating. So, um... I have to say that I can't see them losing that game, and I think that they stand a good chance of winning that game. Um, and can't see them losing it. Then. Up, yeah, can't see them losing it. I think top four is pretty much inevitable at this point, and I do think that they will finish third, which would be nice because there are going to be some pretty solid teams in the Champions League qualifiers next year that I would much rather Liverpool deal with than us. Yeah, agreed. I uh, I. <laughs> I, I would be all too happy, or even Arsenal for that matter. I don't really yeah. care if I don't care if Liverpool somehow managed to finish fifth. That's it would not going to bother me. Take a hell of an effort for Liverpool to lose at home to Middlesbrough, but you know what? We tied them, so that yeah. effort is. In, it, we, and, and here's the thing about City tying them too. You know, Middlesbrough are the exact type of club that Liverpool struggle against, like. Liverpool have no problems dispatching, you know, City ruthlessly. Uh, but when it comes to like the smaller clubs, they 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 drop games like nobody's business. It's it's kind of amusing. It's why, I, I don't... It's why City are in the position to finish third because they right. have lost at home to Swansea. They have draw. They have lost away to Hull. They have lost away to Leicester. Um, they lost at home to Bournemouth, and they lost at home away to Burnley. 
that is their league losses. You know, the, 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 them and uh, there's a sixth one there somewhere that was, I think, more forgivable. But um, that that's all. None of their six losses. Oh yes, they lost at home to Crystal Palace as well. None of their six losses have been to teams even in the top half. These are all bottom half teams that they have lost to. They are literally unbeaten against the top four, and yet they're probably going to finish fourth. Jurgen Klopp will—you ha have to think—will be kicking himself over this season. They—they they could have done. They could have done a lot more damage than they have done, and they've also drawn a lot of games as well, but. It's, it's it's I would yeah Liverpool are never go we're never going to sit there and watch them against the bottom half team and think it's in the bag because they have just lost so many stupid games the bottom half teams so yes um I did, I think they'll win that game because Middlesbrough but again maybe they want to go out with pride they have nothing to play for really but but pride so that'll be interesting but I think we're, we're in agreement that I think City are definitely the odds-on favorite to finish third um. And, uh, you know, that would put the, if they win, that'll put them on 78 points, which is better than they did last season. So uh, six league defeats, nine league draws, 23 wins in 38. I don't know. It's not what we wanted, but I think that they have done well over the last couple of months to salvage this season from being, my God, this is mediocre too. Well, all right. They screwed themselves a lot over portions of the season, but they ended it um, looking looking fairly formidable, I would say. Are we talking about City? Yes. I, I, would, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say formidable. I, I'd, I'd probably drop that off. Um, until I see them take this kind of effort against top four teams on a regular basis. I'm not going to use the, the, the F word um, just because they kicked the crap out of West Brom. And, 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 and really, if you think about it at three, one, that game really wasn't the, the for as much possession and opportunity as city had, they probably should have scored more. Like, there were some easy misses there by Aguero. David Silva missed one that he didn't even know how he missed. Um, I still think that Sané was shoved when he was given the yellow card. I do not agree with that yellow yeah, card I think, simulation. I think that was nothing. You know, if that can be nothing, it can be. Yeah, if it could be, if it could be I, not a foul really or not a card. I think it was card. a foul. I don't think it was a dive. I think there was some incidental collision and he fell over, but it wasn't a foul and it wasn't a dive, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Like, I don't think he should have been. That's why when they were talking about. The uh, I was talking with Richard Burns uh, briefly on Twitter today. The, the FA has instituted a new rule, retrospective bans for diving. Obviously, we'll be using video replay to determine. And I mentioned some of my concerns about this because they use this a lot in college football for targeting. And I don't think that the system is very effective. In fact, I think that when you slow things down – it actually makes the job of the person interpreting it a lot harder <clears throat> because the play didn't happen at that speed. So trying to sit there, slow it down and analyze it 
is actually the antithesis of what was going on in that very moment, which was rapid thinking, you know, acting as quickly as one could, uh, uh, and, and, and sort of bumbling into an, an, an error of sorts. You know, the, these aren't guys who were thinking out these decisions long and hard before they did them. And I, I just think that when these things are slowed down, people try to take all that stuff into account, and then they use that to render their decision. And it, it, it I don't know. It just, it, it, there are always problems with it, from my point of view. Anytime I mean, you use video yeah. replay for retrospective banning, it just, it doesn't go as well as it should. Yeah, even moreover, I mean, you look at... Um... I'm all in favor of anything that discourages players from diving, be it stiff penalties or whatever. Um, but y you look at what happened after, and I'll use Major League Baseball as an example of what happened after Major League Baseball implemented a replay system, is that now you have, um, on, say, a stolen base on a play at second base, if the guy's foot comes off the base by an inch for, like, two seconds and the tag is held, then he becomes out. Which, you know, by rule, sure, but it's not the spirit of what the rule, you know, it's not the spirit of what replay was supposed to figure out. Um, your, the replay is supposed to figure out, okay, obvious calls, safer out, not like, well, his foot was a mil was uh, a half inch off the bag for a millisecond while he was being tagged, so he's out. Um, you know, it's it just gets so... I, I don't. It gets so very into this territory of nitpicking at that at that point, and you have to wonder what people will see on replay if they start looking at dive foul, what have you, um, because you know I don't. I I I think that the negatives might end up outweighing the positives on this. So I agree with you on that. Um, it, it's a, it's a risky. It's it's. It's a but I think play. we both I think we both agree though that we're in favor of finding a system that eliminates diving and, and we are and I am 100% in favor of video replay video assistance for referees as well because yeah. like, we've gotten enough things wrong you know offside decisions what have you that just just get it right if you can get it right get it right it's, it's not yeah. meant to do to, it's just I think. I think replay is meant for, okay, it's right or wrong, and, you know, not like these old nitpicky, and there are less of them in soccer, at least, so that will be less of a problem. But I don't want these nitpicky, like, nonsensical things to become replayed five times over and over again looking for the smoking gun. I don't think that's what replay needs to be about. But, you know, we have the gold decision system that has paid dividends. No one ever complains about that. Nope. If we can get offside... You know, things that like that. That would be awesome. Awesome. Great. Let's get the obvious things out of the way. Because these referees are mortal. And, you know. Yeah, you know, if you free up things like goals and offside for refs, if you free those concepts up to, to, to the aid of video assistant, like, let's say you, you have a job... The guy, he just sits there in the booth, and his job is to determine onside. And and if you free that up for a ref down on the field, you then enable him to carry out the laws of the game and other parts of the pitch. I, I, 
I think it can only be better. It's like you said. Let's get the stupid stuff out of the way. The simple stuff. The stuff that we should always get right. Was it a goal? Was he onside? These are things that more often than not are yes or no answers. You know, I understand that with some offside decisions, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I get that. But this is where I think that the video replay and having a line that can determine, I mean, they've got the technology down where they can drop that line where the player's foot is, rotate the, rotate the video and see whether or not the player was offside. We've, we've got that sort of technology. So if we can use that to alleviate some of the responsibilities these refs take on every single game, we might see an overall improvement in the, in, in the way these games are called. Yeah. The only thing that I would add is that probably a bigger, a bigger problem in the game for me more than diving is the concept of home teams getting the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't understand how this is a problem that soccer has not addressed. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I, it's, I'm it's, kind of speechless on yeah. that matter. Like, yeah. how how do you blatantly sit back and say, okay, the home team just gets the benefit of it? Like, how, how does that work out? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, we're always going to, there are always going to be some things that are subjective. There's no two ways. Some penalty decisions, a lot of penalty decisions are always going to be subjective. And I don't, I have not come around on the notion of let's replay every controversial collision in the box and figure out if it's a penalty or not. Because, you know, it's, that gets really into the weeds, I feel like, and it would just be a pain in the butt. Um, you need to get the obvious ones right and the obvious ones wrong. Some things are always going to be subjective. It's just the way it is. But let's get the offsides, which are not subjective. Goals, things like that. Let's just get it right. And we seem to be heading in that direction at least. So that's that's a step in the right direction. Um, yeah. I do. I did want to talk um, on, on the subject of the West Brom game. I alluded to it briefly, but... Um, We've talked a lot about Sergio Aguero's future on this podcast. He played so well against West Brom. It was his movement. It was him setting everything up. He didn't get on the score sheet, but for me, he was the man of the match. Um, and if you get that, if you get that for, for when you put him out there, you got some. Because then you have the complete forward. Yeah. And I think that this game was Guardiola announcing to the world, I'm not sure why you think I'm unloading a striker with the ability of Aguero, but you're stupid if you think that's happening. Like, I understand that City have a forward problem, but getting rid of Aguero does not solve it. Like, it just does not. And, oh man, would you regret that. You would just you would just regret that. I just unless you're getting Pierre and Rico Aubameyang, and the only way to to make that happen is to let Aguero go, and you get Aubameyang, uh in in a one for one. Like I would be okay with that, but 
Aguero is just. I'm curious now, though. Let me ask you this. Gabriel Jesus displaces Raheem Sterling, and I had mentioned that I, I could see Pep Guardiola using him along the wings, replacing either Sterling or Sané because Jesus has the quality to play on either side. Um, what do you ultimately think this does mean for Raheem Sterling? It's it's one game. Yeah, you shouldn't I mean, read too much into it, but there is something there to be read into. Yeah, I don't think it means anything for him in the short term. I think that, you know, I think that next season's a big season for Raheem Sterling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he has to show some improvement, particularly on the finishing aspect. Because, as we've mentioned, Guardiola demands a lot from his wingers. He wants them to score. He wants them to create. And I think that he can make it work for a year. He had a Bayern team where they had Ribery and Robin and Douglas Costa and Kingsley Coman. He can do it for a year. He will not find the depth. Um, because, in his mind, City are going to be challenging for four competitions next year, and he will want all of people contrib- contributing, um, including if anyone he signs anyone, whoever he signs. Um, so, I, 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 I don't think... You know, you you can read into it. I think it's just it's a signal that next season is a big season for Raheem Sterling because yeah. Leroy Sané's future looks very secure at this club. <coughs> for me, he has been the signing of the season. Well, and, and the thing I like about Sané too, as opposed to Sterling, and I just want to get your opinion on this. When you talk about Sané bringing the ball up and cutting it in, Sterling can get down along the edges and fire in the cross. But when you're talking about that Aryan Robin, bring it up and boom, just cut it across the side of the box. Leroy Sané does that just so much better than Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling yeah. constantly has his pocket picked when he tries that. And I think that's ultimately what led to Guardiola trying Jesus over there, because as we saw with some of Jesus's nift, I mean, a few of his best efforts were wasted on offside uh, uh, decisions. But you can clearly flip and see that that guy knows how to how to work an angle in a tight spot with three or four bodies around him. I his ball handling skills are ridiculous so I question whether or not Raheem Sterling like where Gabriel Jesus is already at is that a gap Raheem Sterling can even make up I I don't know how good a finisher Raheem Sterling will ever be and you look at the forwards um you know Sané's I think a better finisher now his his future is secure at Manchester City Jesus is obviously a better finisher now. His future is secure at Manchester City. Aguero still is world class um, uh, when he's playing as he's capable of playing. Um, you know, Sterling has all the attributes. It's just he has to. I don't think he even really has to ever be an elite finisher. I don't think anyone's going to ever ask him to be. You know, name your favorite finisher. But he needs to be more competent than he is right now. And you'll see in, those, in what way? You see if those mo- more consistent. I think would be the word I would use, because you see you see him get into the you'll see him get into the positions. You'll see mm-hmm. him make the runs, but then you'll see him make the, either the wrong decision. He'll pass when he should be shooting, or he'll shoot when he should be passing. And when he does shoot, sometimes he doesn't look confident in his shot. Um, and 
you know, he'll he'll scuff things. He'll things will catch up on him. It's I was kind of surprised about that cracker inside the box. I'm not gonna lie. Like, mm-hmm. I would be I would be curious to see how many of our listeners were actually shocked that that shot went in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which which one are you alluding to? The I, I, it was in one of the rompings, but it was the one where Raheem Raheem Sterling side foot volleyed the ball. Was uh, it the one against Palace? I think so. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. in a recent game, but yeah. but it was. I think it was the one where David Silva opened up the scoring, and then later on in the game, Raheem Sterling just had a ball that fell yeah, right yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah. Nuked it. Um, I, I, yeah. I was surprised that one went in. Yeah, <laughs> I just was. You just and you see, there have been finishes. There was a really good one away against Swansea earlier in the season. Um, there was the one against <laughs> Arsenal at home. Uh, the one where he went around the keeper, that was Swansea, right? The yes. one where he tapped that top. That that uh, was one that was his that was his goal of the season. And there was there opinion. was the one where he scored from basically the edge of the box on the right side from this impossible angle. And you you watch those and you think how how is his finishing ever in question? But it is. Like the one against PSG, or well, I think it was PSG, I can't remember where uh, to to secure City's place of moving through where he just opened up his body and just curled that maybe it was against Barca actually is what it was where he just opened up his body uh right near the top of the box for that third goal and just curled it right around like there are times when Raheem Sterling puts on just a clinic with what he can do with his feet but the consistency that you mentioned it's not there, and he's not able to get the ball into the box. Like he, he's definitely an improvement on on Navas. Let's get that out of the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> like he is a massive improvement on Navas. But you're starting to understand what people meant when they said that this guy's raw. He's still very unpolished. There are aspects of his game that need a tremendous amount of work. His finishing, you know, his one on his one v one skills need to improve a little bit more, and I think that that's where, if 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 I may, I think that's where you find the separation between he and Sane. When Sane goes one v one, you're never sure of how it's going to end. Is it going to result in Leroy Sane getting into a better position, or is it going to result in him getting picked off? Because one of those two things usually happen, but. When it comes to 1v1 situations, you don't feel as, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking here for? You feel more assured that something positive could happen when Leroy Sané is facing a 1v1 over Raheem Sterling, or even a 2v1. It's a very good way of putting it, yes. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's the consistency, and... He's still only 22. I mean, we don't want we don't want to act like we have a finished product here who's just not like you know. He's also, still, don't want to rip on the kid and make him. Yeah, you know. he still has time to become what he can be. Um, he has all the talent to do it. It's just um, taking that next step, more consistent, more confident. You know what he hasn't had? Hmm. He hasn't had somebody like an Alexi Sanchez who can actually teach him the nuances of what he should be doing. Yeah. Look at the wingers that City have had. 
find me the guy that's actually going to help him. Find yeah. me the find me the on the field mentor. We haven't had an elite winger in age an age and a half. And, and that's why it's, the signing of Alexi Sanchez yeah. could be so pointed. You look at De Bruyne and Silva; they're central players. They do not play that way. And you look at Navas; he's just not as good. And you look at Sané; he he doesn't have anything to teach Sterling. He's still learning himself. So right. it's 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 an instance where you know there is that there's that type of player that Sanchez is such is such an ideal for Guardiola because he's 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 so direct. He has pace. He has skill. He can create and finish. Um, you know, you look at guys like that, like you know, a, a Di Maria in his prime, a Gareth Bale in his prime. City so never had a player like that. No. So it's, and I think they have been much the worse for it, and they have not ever been able to. The midfield down. makes sense. Like when yeah. you look at the midfield, when you look at why guys like Stones and Otamendi are progressing, I think having Vincent Company around really has turned Otamendi into a quality defender. Like, the Otamendi that we're seeing now is so much better. Like, it's not been talked about. It really hasn't. Like, as far as defending goes, though, I honestly don't want to see him gone at this point. I think that yeah. as even if he becomes a backup... <laughs> Like if they if City are somehow able to go out there and get Benucci, and then the ideal line would be Company Benucci, uh, uh, Kyle Walker, and you know I don't know Fabinho or Benjamin Mendy. I, I, I don't I, I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> take yeah. take your take your Monaco player. To wit, it sounds you know there have been reports from sources that have been reliable in the past that Fabinho is moving closer to a deal with City. And there have been some pretty hefty rumors that Kyle Walker is actually pretty much done. So. Yeah, and if and if that's the case, you know, you you now have in, in defensively as as it's set up, you have people who can mentor Vincent Company, can mentor Otamendi, who can mentor John Stones, etc. Certainly, if you get Benucci in, he can teach every single one of them something. Um, I don't even think it's mentoring at this point. It's, it's, it's just someone next to him to keep him calm. Like yeah. As long as there's someone next to him keeping him calm. Very much a Tiago uh, and, and David Luiz type thing. Like yeah. David Luiz always plays better when he's alongside Tiago because Tiago understands when David Luiz is going to go full David Luiz and he's able to then provide cover. I think Vincent Company understands when Otamendi is going to go barreling out. Like, all right, this is this is totally a time when he goes and does something yeah. reckless. And John Stones does not have the experience or the know-how to deal with it when he does that. So, no, I think it's no coincidence that uh, as long as long as you pair a Nicholas Otamendi with with someone who can sort of keep... Yeah, he better be paired with Benucci or company. Like, in those circumstances, I'm fine with it. If it's if it's John Stones and Nicholas Otamendi at this stage in John Stones' career, I'm going to be a bit nervous. Yeah, Stones, I think, will be that guy in five, six years, but not right now. I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's sooner than that. It might well be sooner, I, but... I'm know. hoping for three. Yeah. 
but I think he will get there. It's just, you know, you're asking someone, you're asking a freshman to do the work of a senior, is, is the way I would put it, by, by putting him in that position. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's uh, obviously if those transfer rumors are correct, and there are a lot of things. And I do not want to end this podcast without mentioning Pablo Zabaleta. Who I think that Tuesday, the display Tuesday night. We have some listener questions to get Absolutely. to. We do have I, at least one. If you have more, I am open to them. But I definitely want to mention that was perfectly done on Tuesday night. Um, and it was nice to see everyone stay. I know why everyone didn't stay last year to say goodbye to Manuel Pellegrini. And everyone definitely did stay this year for, for, for Pablo Zabaleta. But, you know, I, I don't think you can say enough about a guy who was purchased before the takeover. Um, you know, this is not one of those big money guys that they brought in once they could afford them. This was a guy that came to them before, um, before anything of that sort happened. Turned himself into, for a while, he was the best right back in the Premier League, for my money. There was a period of time that, that, that he was that. And you just, it's, it was nice. I was really glad to see that they announced beforehand that this was going to be it so that they could have that night and that moment for him because no one deserves it more than he did. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I got dusty when he, uh, when he took the field. Um, I thought that giving him a lifetime season ticket was a class act. Um, you know, here this is this is good forever. You're always welcome here. And I know Pablo's likely off to I believe it's West Ham, right? That is the that is the rumor right now, yes. I know Pablo's off to 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 West Ham, and I I don't I don't care if he plays City. I want him to do well in every game, every game, every game. In, in a in a period where we have had to talk so much at times about how players just look like they were going through the motions, that is one player you could never, ever. No, no. Even when out. he was dead ass tired and couldn't make the play, that didn't stop him from giving everything he had and. It, it, it got that's I think that's why it got to a point where you and I were saying like yeah. let's let's pull him off so that he doesn't end his legacy with fans yeah. have, harboring some sort of animosity to, toward him because his play directly led to something that that, yeah. that, 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 that a poor result of yeah. some kind you could tell that this was the right time for everyone involved because he couldn't play at the same level anymore. He himself seems to know that he couldn't play like two games a week anymore, and it's this is a club that has such. He's time. he's very he's barely able to play a half these yeah. days. And this is a guy. This is a club whose ambitions are so high that at that point you're just carrying a passenger if you keep him around. So it's the right time for everyone involved. They did it perfectly, um, you know, and 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 good for him. Um, yeah, you know, that's really. I just hope I just hope to see Pablo back at City one day, either I'd helping to, to him coach in some sort of yeah off field mentors, role. Yeah, I, I, ambassador to the club. I just I want Pablo. Let him let him play for as long <clears throat> and in as many leagues. Look, hey, I hope the Chinese Super League sees him playing with West Ham and is like, you know what, we can get this guy for fifty million. 
let's sign him for 50 million guarantee. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that happens for Zabaleta. <clears throat> like, I hope some team in the Chinese Super League is like, we need to spend stupid money on a right back. And then he gets paid. Like, whatever career he has left in him, I want him to go play it, live it up, make as much money as he can. And then when he's done, when his playing days are over, I want him to come back to City, and I want him to help instill into the youth of this club the attitude, work ethic, drive, and overall ambition that he gave on a daily basis. And make sure that people understand that if you want to succeed at this club, and if you want to be loved, this club and its supporters will eternally love you back if you can do what Pablo Zabaleta did. And while it seems so simple, it absolutely is not. But if anybody can teach people to do it, it's him. And he is just an example for me of how much a, a, a group of, of supporters can give back to somebody who gave so much to them. I think City fans are a very understanding bunch in that, you know, they there is an understanding that players will make mistakes, players will mess up, players will sometimes do the wrong thing, players will not always be perfect. But if you are giving it everything you have they will at least forgive you at the very least. Um, and you know, there, there's, there's no sign of there's, there's no greater example of that than Pablo Zabaleta, um, in, in, or, or anything like that. You know, even you, you, even Jesus Navas, I think not that, not to compare the two, but just to prove my point, I think, you know, there's certainly some, Oh, this again, every time Jesus Navas comes on, but I don't think any city fan actually dislikes the guy. Because he gives everything he has every time they put him out there. Carlos Tevez is the best example I can come up with. How many times did he screw this club over with nonsense off the field? But when you put that guy on the pitch, you would give everything that he had. And that's why people still don't hate him. I I still don't hate him. I like Carlos Tevez. Carlos Tevez is one of the best players that City have ever had. You can ignore all the nonsense. (laughs) You can't. You can't really. But, you know, when he was... For that 90 minutes when Carlos Tevez was on the field for Manchester City, it was just wonderful. <laughs> but that's, that's a complicated legacy if there ever was one. Uh, uh, you know one thing that I did want to mention, too, and, and, and I don't know, uh, it was the uh, the Noisy Neighbors premiere on uh, NBC uh, oh, yes. Download. I don't know if you got a chance to watch I did watch that, yes. As did I. Uh, thoughts? Really enjoyed it. I'm really quite looking forward to be, to the one that City TV are doing. Um, they're actually doing this several, I believe, several things that are coming out next week. Um, it, this one almost seemed like a taster of it because yeah. City TV did so many of those interviews, and you can tell because they, you know, they you didn't go to. They didn't send Chappie to France to get one quote from Mario Bellatelli. There's a lot more there that they didn't air as part of that special that I'm expecting to see um, uh, from, uh, with what Manchester City are doing. 
But it was really well done, I thought, and that doesn't surprise me because the Premier League production values are always really high, and City TV do do such a great job um, with things like this. But it was it was it was great to see, you know, it, first to see some of those faces again. You'd, you'd yeah, kind of, you know, that have my favorite. My favorite from the video of the kid slamming the chair with his shirt. I can't believe they got him down to interview. That was I can't. Yeah, that was because I have felt a kinship with that guy from the second (laughs) I saw him. Ever ever since I ever since I saw that video, I'm like, I know that guy. That's like that guy is that guy in that moment is all of us. It is. It's, it's, he is. He's all of us just expressing it, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a face that is burned into my memory, even. And it was. You know. And I'm okay with it, man. Like, Me I'm too. okay with it. Like, and I'm sure he's okay with it. Like, you know, like, I mean, that's what that meant. Like, that's how much that damn title meant. Like, to come that close, and they were not going to lose it to United. They were not going to lose it to United. The fans had just been waiting and waiting and waiting. And they'd stuck through so much crap, man. And I can, even though you and I are admitted uh, uh, post-takeover supporters, I can relate to this because I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. Like, I know what it is to see almost. I know what it is to go through 2000 and the, the crap that was the 2003 ALCS. I, you know, I know what it is to almost win these titles or to almost have this season or to almost, it's just, you know, the phrase typical city, it's, it's, it's so relatable when you're a Boston Red Sox fan. Cause Prior to 2004, you could just count on them doing the same damn thing. They'd get there, and then they'd screw it up somehow. And they would always, like, it'd be Bill Buckner. There'd be nobody to blame but themselves. And just when you, I, I think in sports, for these things to happen, they have to happen at the expense of your largest demon. And when you look at the Red Sox, they were down 0-3 against who? The, the Yankees. New York Yankees. Yeah, and when City like had to find two goals in extra time. It, was, it really happened twice for City in a sense, because the FA Cup semifinal was really their arrival, and that also involved getting past United. Yeah, and so it, they had to it, do it once, and then they had to do it again. Yeah, and, and it's just you have to exercise the biggest demon in your closet. It feels like to overcome these things as a club, and that is why when I, when people hear me talk about City, I look at them and I firmly believe that this club have exercised the demon. Like one of the hardest things for a club to 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 buy into mentally is that you are no longer the inferior of whatever, you know, a a group you were previously involved in. Like, if you look at, like, the Oregon Ducks in football, in order to succeed like they succeeded, they had to not accept that USC just couldn't be beaten. You know, 33 33 Pac-12 championships, you know, who cares? Like... 
you you have to believe within yourself that you are better than the best. And in this case, United has been the best that the Premier League have to offer. And yet, for the fourth year in a row, City will now finish above them. They play them regularly, and, and now City seem to be getting the better hand quite a bit. And if not the better hand, then it's usually a draw, but it's a tame draw in which City usually had most of the control and 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 controlled a lot of their own fate and that's why I, I i i'm so hard on this club at times because the temerity is there they're not afraid of united they're they're not afraid of of the biggest baddest club supposedly in the premier league they laugh at them so now that next level needs to be taken. They need to take that approach and apply it not just in all four competitions, but they need to apply it to their overall mental aspect. Like, it's one thing to not be afraid of United. Now stop being afraid of Barca. Like, you've beaten them. You could have beaten Real Madrid, you know, if 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 the club had made an effort that day. We will never know what the outcome could have been if Manuel Pellegrini had said, you know what, we will try to attack today instead of just sitting back and letting Real do whatever the hell they wanted. We'll never know. But City City could have, all they needed to do was pip a goal and all of a sudden it was a whole new ballgame. And it's really not that impossible to score on Real at the Bernabeu. But they played scared. So we talk about mentality on this program over and over again. And if people think I'm being harsh on the city, it's because I think Noisy Neighbors has encapsulated exactly how far City have come. This is a club that no longer gives two dams about United. They, they don't care about them because... They know, fans know, that as a club, as an organization, as an entity, as as a body, like actually as a corporation, they are leaving United so far in the dust that it isn't even funny. And fans know this. The smart fans who know the financials, who take a look at that stuff, who pay attention to the reports, who know that the club aren't operating in the negative, they're operating in the positive, and they're turning a profit. Like, the United are taking on debt. Like, they're saddling themselves with debt. And they're going to take on more debt this year because Mourinho came close, but he didn't quite come far enough. So I'm sure Woodward and company will spend. They'll spend another couple hundred million on a couple of players that may or may not have the impact that they hope to have. It sounds like James Rodriguez is going to be a done deal. Mm. That sounds more like James Rodriguez wanting it to be a done deal. Yeah, it could be. It could be. You never know. But he is a Jorge Mendez client, and that that if he if he if he really is a want away then United will have first dibs at him, and that will just be that. So, you know, regardless, though, however however United settle on their team, they're going to incur more debt, whereas City are going to be operating from a position of strength. Because 
they already made up everything they spent when they made that deal with the Chinese consortium television group. And that's only going to continue to pay more and more and more. And the Premier League deal is only going to pay more and more and more. And now City are, 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 are finally out of that debt zone with the wages. They've managed to correct that, and they're not offering stupid contracts anymore. Like, all of these things are being situated within the club. And you look at that and you say, okay, if I understand all of this as, as, as a fan or as a supporter, then I feel like it's okay for me to ask more of the club. Because clearly they know what the hell they're doing. So they just need to execute it. Very well said. Um... Well, let's yes. get to our one question. We have a we have a listener question. It's from Jay Siegley. Surprise, surprise. That's yeah. not meant as negative, by the way. That's <laughs> um, should City still target Alexis Sanchez this summer? And if so, how would he fit in the Aguero Jesus Sane formation? It's a good question and one that we've grappled with more than once. <laughs> um, but we did somewhat allude to the notion of. Um, you know, in the past, Guardiola has had, what did he have at Bayern? He had Coman, he had Diego, or uh, not Diego Costa, Douglas Costa, he had Ribery, he had Robin, he had Lewandowski, he had Muller, he made it all work. Yep. Um, so I'm not going to say no, because I think that he can make it work. I don't think it's really a long-term solution, but I think they should, I think if they can get him, I would, I'm not going to complain about signing Alexis Sanchez. No. That's for sure. Um, I think it'd be like this. I think the goal is 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 to not place so much on these young players and stress them out, but to have somebody in there like a really good point. Because say, I don't know if you noticed, but Leroy Sané has looked like he's gotten a bit tired. Yeah, and 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 having somebody in there like Alexis who can who can go in there and pitch in and it just gives you a different look of okay I'm going to go with Aguero Sanchez and Jesus today as my attacking trident or I'm going to drop Aguero and I'm going to play a, a Sanchez Sané and and uh uh, Jesus, you know, it just it opens up the the options for City at the attacking front. Again, I don't think it's a long term solution because I do think at a certain point, Sané and Sterling are going to either expect to see regular game time or a transfer. So you have to be careful with how you handle that because you did sign these guys ostensibly to be the future of the club, you know, but that doesn't, if you bring in somebody like Alexi Sanchez, there are going to be ego issues. Um, but I think if you were signed to a two or a three year contract, that would make uh, all the bit of a difference. And, and, and I also just think that the players at this point are, are, are bought into what Pep is saying. Like, look, you see how good we play if you, if you do what I'm asking. Now we'll get the right players in. We'll make sure all of you have the ability to take a rest or a mental break when you need one. 
And when we play, we're going to go out there and we're going to give everything we have for 90 plus minutes. And that's how it's going to be from here on out. We're not going to have any more of this crap that we had last season. So I think getting in veterans is, is going to be something that Guardiola looks to do. They've injected the team with youth. There's, they've already brought down the overall age. Now it's time to bring in some guys who are veterans in that still age-viable category. You know what I'm saying? Like 26, 27-year-olds. Those guys are fine. You've still got another two or three years out of those guys at their peak. Um, uh, so I, I would guess that that would be how City will approach. I'm sure that there will be a couple more youth signings, but I would I would expect a healthy injection of veteran influence to provide some overall stability to what City do moving forward. Yeah, that's about it. Um, yeah, it's 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 just going to be a uh, rotating cast of characters, I think, for the next year or two, and then the cream will rise to the top. But yeah, that's basically. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think. I'm not going to turn down signing good players. I think Guardiola will know what to do with him, especially a guy that that worked with him before. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Um, do you have any final comments? Um, I would just say that you know, regardless of what happens at the end of it, it's it's been a blast. Um, I am going to see City. Uh. Against Real Madrid at the LA Coliseum, I'm very much looking forward to that. I will get to see them in the Guardiola era. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, this is this is exciting, man. I I can't I I I honestly hope that a lot of these rumors are true and that a lot of these signings are on the verge of being done. So that way, as soon as signings can be announced, City can get these players in, and I have a good shot of seeing them over the summer. Because that's when they usually blood these players in. So I'd totally be down for it. I don't I don't want to see just a whole bunch of youth players. I wouldn't mind seeing your Kyle Walkers and your Alexi Sanchez's and so on and so forth. Not that I think they'll make the trips anyway, but some of them will, I think. Um, but but that's it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to go see City. I didn't get the chance to catch them the last time they were here because they played about five hours from me and my back couldn't handle the drive. But this time they're only playing about an hour and a half away, and uh, I can easily take that on. So I will get to see them in Gray will not, and he will be jealous. But I will bring him something, buy him something from the game to make him less jealous and happy. Like a scarf. I'll get you a friendship scarf, Gray. We're friends. Oh, I will. I am here for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, good, good stuff. I am, again, yeah, I'm not seeing City. Maybe someday they'll come to the Midwest, but probably not. Um, you will not hear from us for a bit because I am going on vacation for a week or so and I will not be back until after Memorial Day so um, enjoy the game 
hopefully they don't screw it up. But we will be back in a little over a week with, uh, let's see, season review stuff. We'll go over anything that's happened in the meantime. If they sign anyone to new contracts, all who everyone who inevitably gets released, we'll go over that stuff. I may do a, uh, I may do a bumpers after the end of of Watford since of that's that since that seems to be all the rage now. Uh, just as kind of a an instant analysis, and, and so you guys have something whilst we're waiting for Gray to return from vacation. He gave me the option of having somebody fill in, like mm-hmm. Jay or something, but I told him I didn't think it would be right, so I'm going to hold off on Sorry, the end of the everybody. season. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I may do, I, I likely will do a bumpers uh, tomorrow after the game, about a half hour just talking about instant reactions and what I think, and I'll drop that on there for people to listen to. So we'll at least have that in Ray's absence. That's right. And I will be in hopefully our in our nation's capital. I was so, going to say, hopefully you will not be thinking about a damn thing to do with City right. and just enjoying yourself. I will be in our nation's capital, so if you're in the area... Well, I don't know. I'm not. It's not like you can find me, but I will be there. So, woohoo! Um, By the way, what brought about the trip to DC? That's a really random vacation. I spot. have friends there. Okay. So it's in lots of wonderful, joyous thing, and I'm going to see a Nationals game again. I figured you would go see a some fine baseball. Time. I saw the Nationals and the Tigers there last year, believe it or not, and in that game, the let, 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 let me get this right because it was it was it was an experience. My beloved Tigers in Washington, lots of excitement, and I was there to see Max Scherzer, who used to play for the Tigers, strike out twenty Tigers in time, major league record. Bittersweet to say the least. But this year, I have no dog in the race, so I get to go as a Nationals fan. Alas. So yes, I will be back. <laughs> You should buy. You should buy a Nat Nulls jersey. Nat Nulls, yes. I am there for that. So why uh, is it that baseball always has the best faux pas, like the Toronto, the Nat Nulls? There was a Cincinnati one that they screwed up. I'll have to find the picture of that one. But the Major League Baseball just like they seem to be the only. Only one of the four major sports that just can't seem to get their own damn team names right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, really. Maybe it's because it's... In no other sport do you have lettering that is, like, script across the front of the jersey because, you know, a lot of other sports, the NHL and um, the NFL have logos not names so that's probably part of it but yeah um i'll be back in a week so enjoy the game everybody um and i will be watching in some way shape or form at some point and um we will talk to you um eventually you'll hear from josh and then i will be back in a week and we will go over everything that's happened and uh thanks for listening everybody we are as ever sponsored by blog talk radio we are on itunes And you can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. So thank you. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the game. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.